Today we're going to look at a young man. I, he's called Daniel. I call him young because he was probably 17, 18 when he was taken into Babylon. You think about a 17, 18 year old taken into Babylon, taken away from his family. And yet this young man and his friends knew how to live in the midst of persecution and opposition. He was a man of integrity because what you saw of Daniel was real. He did not allow his culture in which he lived to influence his behavior. And I sad today in a world in which we live that the church somehow are allowing the culture in which we live to influence our behavior and our worldview. It's sad. Not only happening in society, but in church. We have given up on the Word of God. We've given up on the authority of the Word of God as the way in which we ought to live. And so today I want us to look at this young man. We are taking a reading from, from uh, Romans where Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Because God is merciful. God is loving. Amen. He's not a, a father in heaven with, with a big stick trying to whip us into action. No, no, no. He said, look, the mercies of God. And we have encountered those mercies. Therefore, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good. And listen, you see, the enemy would try and say that God's will is, God is a killjoy, that God's will is not good for you. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says, God's will, you'll prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, although we did have Christian values. Uh, Mom and dad, they never really took us to church. They, they told us to go to Sunday school. And my sister Heather and I and cousins, we would go every Sunday to Sunday school. Thank God for our youth program and our children's program. Amen. Thank God because we, we are teaching them the word of God. But as Christian parents, we need to be instilling good biblical education stories into our little ones. And I just came across this week in my, in my library, one of my first, my first prize. In fact, it says first prize. Christ Church Lisburn, 1969. I was just a kid. <laughs> Awarded to William Fenning for regular attendance at Sunday school. A noble rector. It was a big, it was an Anglican church. It was good. I didn't really hear the gospel, but I was taught something of God's word. And it was, it instilled in me just something of a thirst to know more of God. I always knew there was something more than Sunday school. But this was my first, one of my first little prizes. And here's how J.B. Phillips of the, uh, of the New English for Modern Schools puts Romans chapter 12. He says, With eyes open wide to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, 
as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him, acceptable by him. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves forward to the goal of true maturity. I love that. I love that. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian armies conquered Jerusalem. And they carried off most of the city's inhabitants as slaves. And one of those taken was a young man named Daniel. Babylon had one simple goal. To eliminate Daniel's distinctiveness as a follower of God. And to absorb him into the values of their culture. I believe today in our society in which we live, there is pressure on the church today to conform to the culture in which we live. Our culture no longer wants to hold on to a biblical, scriptural worldview. The Bible is no longer the authority in how to behave. You know, this is your daily bread. You don't live by how you feel. You don't live by your own opinion. You don't live by any other philosophy. You live by the authority of God's word. You can't take bits out and say, well, I don't like that. And you can't keep bits in and say, well, I do like that. We believe in the Bible from cover to cover. Amen. It is inspired that we might live, that we might behave, that we might live godly lives and glorify our Father who is in heaven. But our culture no longer wants this biblical worldview. And many, instead of having an influence on the culture in which they are living in, we, as believers, are being influenced by the culture instead of influencing it. Particularly when it comes to maybe creation, particularly when it comes to sexuality. How can our youth and our children and our families stand up against a culture which is antagonistic against what we believe and what we value and particularly what we hold on to in the Word of God? How did Daniel and his friends, as young men, stand firm against the opposition, against those who sought their downfall? Daniel and his friends were deported to Babylon. And for the most part, the captives were not forced into slavery. Instead, they were allowed to be assimilated into the culture. But how did Daniel remain faithful? Hi. 
In chapter 1 and verse 4, we read, The young men in whom there was no blemish were taken, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick in understanding, had the ability to serve in the king's palace, uh, that they may teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. They were taken that they may be assimilated into a new culture and taught a new language. But we read in verse 8 of the same chapter, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Did you get that? Daniel made a decision. He made a choice. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Here was a young man in a strange land with every opportunity before him. Who would know? Who would know if he compromised? Who would know if he gave in to the culture around him? Well, such was his relationship with God. He knew that God would. And that is what counted. And in a world in which we live, in which there is so much deception and so much cheating, when sometimes it appears, it, it appears that it's better off if we do compromise. God calls you and I to a life of integrity. He calls us to be honest, amen, in all our dealings. Honest in our relationship with him. Honest in our relationship with one another. And the Bible says, keep your heart. Keep it. Keep the heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the springs of the issues of life. If God were allowed today, and I pray that the Spirit will take us to a place where we're honest. Amen. Because God wants you to walk in the light as he is in the light. But if God were allowed to go into the basement of your life this morning, if he were to search your private world, what would he find? Now, how did Daniel and his friends stand firm? We know there were many attacks upon them. We know that, uh, that they erected an idol and they were all to bow down before the idol, but they didn't because they, they served the living God. It's quite interesting when you come to chapter 6 under King Darius, that King Darius made a decree that they should serve and worship Daniel's God. Here was a young man who stood firm, who not only influenced the king, but influenced the whole nation and nations. But part of that attack was the idol, an idol that they were to bow down and they were to worship. Do you know what I believe in today's culture? We are, again, lifting up an idol. It's an idol of materialism. It's an idol of pleasure. It's an idol of sexuality. It's an idol that says, these are my rights. This is my God. I can do what I want. 
You know, God has called us to love him and to serve him. Amen. And I can't do what I want. I can't give in to how I feel at times. And we all have to admit here today, we're all broken. Whether it's issues regarding sexuality, whether it's issues regarding greed and selfishness or injustice, we are all broken and we live in a broken society. Some might have issues with same-sex attraction. Some might have uh, issues regarding greed and selfishness and serving. But we must learn to control our lives and to submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. We had a conference as churches just before Christmas at Whitliffe. It was called Living Out. And it were people and ministers who had issues with same-sex attraction. And it was one of the best days that I, as a conference, had been to. Because here were guys and testimonies of people who had issues with same-sex attraction, but they understood that the lordship of Jesus comes first. And they submitted how they felt under the lordship of Jesus. Yes, they had issues with their feelings, but... They submitted that to the Lordship of Jesus. And that is how all of us should behave. Whether it has to do with sexuality, or whether it has to do with greed, or selfishness, or materialism, we need to submit our bodies, we need to submit our wills, and worship the Lord our God. Amen. Not only by singing our songs with our mouth, but worshiping Him with our bodies. Amen. Did you know... That you were made in the image and likeness of God. He made you male and female. God did it. I believe in God, friends. God's alive. God is real. Amen. I'm accountable to God. I just can't live my life any old way. I I cannot spend my money any old way. I have to submit all to the Lordship of Jesus. But if you look at the story of Daniel you'll see that there was attack after attack to simulate them into a different culture. And you are aware, you should be aware, because it's been going on for many years, particularly in past years, that there is an attack that we too be assimilated as a church into the culture and what the culture wants us to believe. But there was an attack on their identity. The Babylonians changed their names. And the enemy wants us to be confused to who we are. Did you know that you are Christ ones? That's why you're called Christians. Did you know that your identity is in God, not in your sexuality? Your identity is in Christ. You are chosen, you are called, you are loved by Almighty God. Amen. God knows you by name. That's what we believe. Our identity is not found in my performance. It's not found in anything else. It's not found in my appearance, whether I'm good looking or not. It's found in the fact that I am in Christ. Praise God. We are God's people. And yet the enemy would try and steal our identity. And that is why in presenting our bodies as living sacrifice, we 
don't allow the world to squeeze us into its mold where we lose our distinctiveness. I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. I'm called. He's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I should live differently. Why? Because I've been taught differently. The Spirit of God is in me, teaching me, anointing me to know what is of God. Amen. Did you get that? It is God who teaches me. My conscience teaches me. Because God just, by the Spirit of God, brings me into a place where I know the light, live in the light. I can't compromise in that. I can't say, well, I, I just do my own thing. I've got my opinion. I, I study the Bible differently. No, no, no. You study the Bible in the context. Study it. Study the Word. Let the Spirit bring you to the place where you have transformation. We should live differently because Jesus is not only our Savior, Jesus is our Lord. And that's why John says, he said, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Now, we want to ignore that. Because we want pleasure. And we need to control lust. The lust of the eyes. That's why, man, it's important your eye get. Did you know that statistics tell us that there are 70, 75% of men have issues with pornography? I'm not going to ask for hands up today. That's a big statistic. So it's important, guys, it's important that we don't allow a God of this world to influence us and how we live as Christians. We have been taught different. We've been taught in a different school. We have a different mindset. We have different values. We act differently because we have come to know Christ. Therefore, we have different standards. We don't have to live by how we feel. Well, I feel different. You don't have to live that way. You have been taught differently. Amen. You have been taught differently. And the problem is, in our culture today, is if you feel it, it's okay, because there are no absolutes. There is no such a thing as truth. God forbid if we go down that road because I believe that Jesus is the way, not only the way, but the truth and the life. But you've been taught differently. And when we studied Ephesians some times ago, we saw from, some Ephes- from Ephesians, this I say, Paul says, therefore I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In other words, don't walk like the unbeliever. And here's how he describes it. In the futility of their mind. I'm amazed today. 
what is now acceptable in society, that which is abnormal and not natural, is now normal. And what is normal is becoming abnormal. And when you look at it, because of the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who past, who past feeling have given themselves up over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but not so. Because we, not so you, but you have learned Christ. We've been taught differently. You've been taught differently. We have come from a different school. We've been taught differently. There is also not only attack upon their identity, but when you look at the scriptures, you see that there was an attack upon their diet. In verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's food. He wanted not to defile himself with the king's food. You know, our food, our diet is what? The word. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. The Word that proceeds from God. And the world and the bright lights and the pleasure and the lust of the eyes, it may appear attractive and it may indeed appease the old man. It may indeed persuade us, but however, our diet is God himself. Our diet is the word of God. Jesus Christ, he said, I am what? The bread of life. And whoever comes to me will what? Will never grow hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Isn't that amazing? Because in him we live, move, and have our being. Our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our pleasure in life is found in him. Amen. Come on, church. It's found in him. In him we live. I am. He's Yahweh. He is God. He is almighty. He will nourish us. He will feed us. He will satisfy us. We need nothing else but him. He is the main thing. We preach Jesus. Amen. We preach Jesus because he is what it's all about. It's not about religion. It's not about a code of behavior. It's about feeding upon Jesus Christ. And when I feed upon him, he will teach me how to live. Jesus himself said, he said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice... Not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of their mind. We will prove something. We will experience something. We will prove that God's will is good. We will prove that God's will is acceptable. And we will prove the perfect will of God. Amen. I don't know. I just want God's will for my life. It's all I desired since the moment I became a Christian at 17. That I would live in the center of God's will. I don't want to be on the outside. Because my satisfaction comes not by religion, 
but it comes by a relationship with him who is the bread of life. But how did Daniel, this 17, 18-year-old boy, how did Daniel and his friends resist the enormous power of Babylon? He was not a monk living behind walls. He had a heavy job with great responsibilities. He was a busy man. He, there was great pressure upon him. And when you look at the story of Daniel, we know, we know about Daniel and, and, the, and the lions and his deliverance. But look at the context of that. He was thrown into there falsely. The king didn't want to do it. It's an amazing story. But, but the, the commissioners, and Daniel was one, three, they became jealous of Daniel because God was with Daniel. And the 120 managers didn't like Daniel. They tried to find something. They tried to find something that would trip Daniel up and bring it to the king. They found nothing. Amen. Can you imagine 120 people searching your life? Hmm? What would they find? They find nothing. And yet they, they understood. Hmm, we, will, we know how to get Daniel. Daniel and his God. Surely there's the attack. And so they made the king sign something. And the king, Darius, thought it was a good thing at the time that they should worship this image and uh, bow down. And uh, uh, surely they, they were assured that Daniel was a man of integrity and he wouldn't do it. And lo and behold, what did Daniel do? He, when he heard about it, he went home, he opened the windows, he knelt down and he prayed to the living God. He prayed to the living God. How did this young man have, have the courage and the boldness to say to society, to say to his culture, to say to his peers, I serve the living God? How? You know how? He did not leave the development of his inner life to chance. Did you get that? He did not leave the development of his inner life to chance. He had a plan each day. He had a purpose each day. It involved prayer. It involved his relationship with God. It involved in putting God first. He had a plan. He renounced certain activities. Prayer was part of that plan. He was, he was despite the hostile environment in which he lived, he fed himself spiritually. So I ask you this morning, particularly as we come around the Lord's table this morning, how is it with your soul? How is it with your inner life? Like Daniel, do you have a plan to meet with God each day? Or do you just come on Sundays and you worship? And that's the content of your Christian experience and Christian life, just on Sundays. Are, are you thirsting after him who is the bread of life? Do you have a relationship with him? Daniel had a plan. Before Christmas time, we looked at emotional health and spiritual maturity. And part of that was looking at a rule for life, a plan for living. And part of that plan was involving solitude, involving Sabbath, silence, 
in the midst of a busy world, in the midst of, of noise, all our busyness of responsibility, we still need a plan where our inner life is fed. We call it the rule of life. It's a biblical basis for living in the rhythm of grace. And that's what we need to hold on to. And we looked at a number of things where we find the desert place with God, a place of quietness, a place of solitude, a place where we can just stop, stop. That could be in the morning. That could be again at lunchtime. It could be in the evening. It could be a number of times throughout the day where you find a desert place, but you're developing your inner life. And part of that plan is establishing, establishing a rule, what we call a rule of life. Part of that rule of life is a structure of reading, a structure of devotion, a structure of just being still and quiet and feeling the presence of God. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about slowing down and knowing His presence. You see, to establish a rule of life, and we talk about rule, we don't like rules, but these are good rules. The Bible talks about the law of liberty. That seems a contradiction, law and liberty together. But it's a good rule. The word rule comes from, from the Greek, or the Greek, uh, there's a connotation there of trellis. We know what a trellis is. A trellis is a support structure. What does a trellis do? Well, if I've got plants or tomato plants, it's good to have a trellis to support that, that plant in order for that plant to grow. And you know, if I have a rule of life, if I have a trellis, it's a structure. Whether it's rest and Sabbath slowing down, it's going to bring growth. Amen. So as we come around this table this morning, I pray that you will be a Daniel. That you will keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, there's a conflict, a conflict going on between the flesh and the spirit. We all have feelings. We're all broken people. But there's a spirit inside of me, amen. And the Bible talks about the conflict and the war between the flesh and the spirit. We know the Spirit brings joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. We know that the flesh, well, it, it, it doesn't, it's the opposite to that. But who wins? Who wins the conflict? Someone said, who wins depends who you feed the most. Who am I feeding the most? We have two worlds. We have the public world, we have our private world. Our public world is filled with demands on our time, our loyalties and energies. Our private world is our inner life, our spiritual life. It's invisible, but it's fundamental to everything else in life. Out of it flows the issues of life itself. But because our public world is visible and real, we give in to its demands, the demands for our attention and time. The result is that our private world, that which is fundamental to our Christian lives, is cheated and often neglected. 
And I pray when you come around this table today, say, God, I'm going to renew my commitment to you. I'm going to feed myself on the bread of life. You're going to be number one. I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice. Someone said, what matters in my spiritual life is not the endless activities before man, but my private life with God. And so this is a time, I'm going to ask the team just to come and lead us. This is a time for us to reflect this morning. Reflect as we come around this table. I'm going to ask you a number of questions as I ask me. Because when we come around this table, the Bible says, examine yourselves. And if you need to come to a place of confession, a place of repentance and coming to God and turning to Him, why don't you do that? If you're not a Christian, maybe you're watching online and you're not a Christian, why don't you make a simple prayer like this? Lord God, save me. Come into my life. God, take control of my life. God, I receive your mercy and your grace. I pray as I receive you today, be Lord of my life. Make it a simple prayer because God, he hears. Amen. And ask God to lead you. But how is your walk with God? Are you walking with God? Is there integrity in your walk with God? Is there integrity in your relationship with others? Is there integrity? In the way that you live. I pray, Spirit of the living God, search me and know my heart. Let's start.